Welcome to the ITSB Magazine Podcast Network. You're listening to a new episode of the Founder Pack Podcast, where your host, Brendan Rod, brings startup stories from experienced founders and other functional experts to help current and future founders get inspired and grow their knowledge with quick tactical insights. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Hey, Cody, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you. How is your week going so far? More exciting than I want it to be. <laughs> oh, you just opened up a can of worms. <laughs> Are you going to share a little bit about what's behind that? I think you and every entrepreneur listening knows that we can't guess what's going to happen in our week. We can only solve it as it comes at us sometimes. The known and the unknown. So... That's what, I, that's what I'm dating through this week. So. Awesome. And you mentioned offline that you're starting something new. Is that something you want to divulge a little bit or it's still under stealth? <laughs> well, I think there's a couple of things that are still under stealth about other organizations because I'm, I'm rarely ever a one company person. <laughs> so I always have like my hands in lots of different things as, a, as an investor and as an advisor. Uh, but personally, I run a, um, a organization called Telehelp, which is a Mexico-based outsourcing company. And so, uh, I, my previous organization, I got a little obsessed with all the things that can be done remote. And then I asked myself, why do we have to just be remote in the United States? And so then I created an entire company around that premise in Mexico City, and then staffed a, another organization. So. Um, my, my partner and I, who mostly ran the organization while I was still at my last company, uh, and I've since then stepped into to take it to the next level. So we've been around six months and we're, it's killing it, doing well. Can't complain. Can't, yeah, when the, when the revenue is in the positive and there's things called profit, <laughs> there's not a whole lot of complaints. Kudos to you because it's probably double, triple as hard during a recession, right? I want to say, you know, traditionally, businesses starting in a recession, before recession, a looming financial crisis, uh, it would be difficult. But outsourcing organizations do well during times of constraining economy. So everyone's thinking about how to rub two pennies together to get the dollar. Uh, Telehelp, you know, most of our clients save anywhere between 50 to 60. And some of our other clients save up to 75% on remote staffing. You know, an example, why hire a patient care coordinator uh, to ask patient questions and to prep them and, and apply for applications in California? We're going to pay them $4,000 a month where you can have someone who has a nursing background or some type of intense medical education and experience in Mexico for $1,500 a month. <laughs> so, uh, and, and you know, if you're running a remote organization, which a lot of people are, I'm a huge supporter of remote organizations. I don't like brick buildings if I can avoid it. Um, and so, you know, leveraging the remote world and its adaptations kind of have telehealth has gone from one contract to now 26 and, and of course of nine months. Yeah, it's interesting because new technologies bring about new problems and therefore solutions to be solved. <laughs> And actually, you could look at the recession as a problem that needs new solutions to be solved. Yeah, I mean, where does cost 
fit into your constraints. Like we have to think about the things that we want to do and the things that we're capable of doing and what do we have to get there. Uh, and that's, I mean, especially early stage startups, you know, we're sitting here, okay, okay I got a stick of bubble gum, this piece of wire here, and we all feel like MacGyver because we're trying to fly an airplane with it. Uh, <laughs> so uh, that's where someone like Tello comes in and it's like, hey, listen, you know, how do you have a team of 10 uh, and only spend $5,000 a month? Like that, those are thought processes that, especially trying to grow. Like I have an entire business development team in Mexico. There's five of them, including a director. And that entire team, which does all of my growths, uh, it costs me $4,000 a month. And so, uh, and then, you know, it's outward bound calls and things like that. And I have to guide them, but, you know, we need people to do things unless you have an automated organization. That would be great if you have robots doing it, but most organizations need people. And with the adaptation of remote work across a lot of industries, people have removed that elephant in the room of, I can't see that person every day. They're not in my cubicles. I, I can't see them, you know, talk to them at the water cooler, right? The, 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 just quote the nineties. Um, but now you can, you can work with people. I have people who work for my company in Greenland. I have someone who works and we, we have a client in Berlin. And so uh, it's, you know, we have people in the, the cryptocurrency industry. We have people in financial industry and so in healthcare. So it's, you know, if cost, which costs is everything, it's a beautiful thing to look at. And that's why I got into business. Like, well, this is, this is my recession plan. Get into a business that needs, you know, the, the recession uh, needs. So to continue along the lines of you and what you've done in your past, do you want to give our audience a quick intro about yourself? Sure. Yeah. I, um, I've been in startups for about a decade now. Uh, I've, I've been lucky enough to be a part of very successful ones. Uh, Bambi HR uh, just did a reverse spec last year. Uh, and then Titanium Healthcare, which is a healthcare company valued in the hundreds of millions. Uh, I was also uh, the founder and CEO of an organization called Active Healthcare, which I took from, from zero to 100 and then passed the baton. And I love early stage businesses, not mid-sized businesses. Uh, and... Uh, it's just, you know, I really started my professional career off in the military special operations um, and then jumped over to big tech at Apple and Amazon. Realized I didn't like the, the giants being a number with your, with you, you know, at a startup, you make a decision today, you implement it today. It's nimbleness. It's effective. Uh, big organizations like, you know, I want to change that trash can. Great. I'm going to put in a requisition request. Uh, <laughs> so it's like government. And so uh, talk to 10 people and then you get a maybe. Um, and so that's why I got into the startup world. I just like having that direct influence like I did in the small military teams. So and I've been doing it and had a couple of successes, had a couple of failures. <laughs> so, yeah, the path is never linear. And never. I, sure. I agree with you. I, I'm uh, passionate about startups myself. I've only ever really worked in startups and mostly Israeli startups. So that's actually a great segue to my next question. You're a military founder. So what kind of skills do you bring to startups that non-military founders you think should learn or would benefit from, from having those traits or skills? Yeah, I, I think it, it spurs from a saying in the military and it, and it works into an ethic um, is do something every day that sucks 
Yeah, so we should do something every day that's uncomfortable. Um, you know, in the starting days until today, this morning, I spent um, half my morning making follow-up calls because I, I have direct, I take the Elon Musk approach to things. I'm just hands-on. And so my business development team is required to make sales. So I like to throw my hat in the ring. I get out there and I make a hundred uh, cold calls to targeted clients every day. Um, and you know, I'm not ever a person besides the startup where I ever did direct sales. But the thing is, is I have a team that I'm saying it can be done and I'm saying it, it can be successful. And then I go out there and be successful at it, even though I hate it. I hate that ring before someone picks up, you're like, please go to voicemail, please go to voicemail. And then they answer, you're like, oh, what do I say? <laughs> so, uh, and I think that's that military mindset. That it doesn't really matter how uncomfortable it is. It doesn't really matter how tired you are or how many times you've done it before. You have to get up and do it because I look at startups, especially things like bootstrapped ones like I'm running right now, where I didn't take any funding. I'm using my own money. And, uh, and we start the organization, invest in the organization. Uh, you really put your time and effort to it because if it don't, it fails. And that's akin to the parallel we're drawing in the military with death, right? To not do what needs to be done, even though in spite of its challenge and, and, and its uncomfortableness, you still have to do it. Uh, if not, then there are plenty of nine to five, Monday to Friday jobs at Fortune 500 companies where you can go die with your soul uh, and not have to worry about being outside your comfort zone. Um, but in the startup world, you just have to do the things that need to be done. And that's, it comes from the military mindset. What else would you say? Positive mental mindset. Uh, I uh, terminated a uh, business development gentleman last week uh, because he had all the experience, the mindset, the innovative approach to really refining and innovating sales. But you get them on a call and it's like, oh, well, you know, I'll go out there and do my best. And well, maybe I'll, maybe I'll meet my KPIs this month. And that is infectious. It is just as infectious as someone with a positive approach to it. You know, I never, I never pick up the phone and dial with the idea that I'm going to get a no. Right? I don't pick up and, and start my day with ideas like, oh, I had no yeses yesterday. I had no successes yesterday. I'm going to, today's going to be another one of those days. You just have to start every day with that. I'm the best boss. I'm going to do this because if you go in with the mentality of failure, it's um, you'll self fulfill your own prophecy. So positive mental attitude, uh, and you know that's a it's a trait of entrepreneurs being self starters, being self motivators. Wouldn't you say that most founders are kind of always doing those things, always show that everything's all right. Well, I have a different approach. I'm, I'm a transparent person. I don't believe in taking the funk if the funk's not the scent you want it to be. Um, I, I don't believe every, every founder is a leader. An entrepreneur is a leader because leader, manager, they're all inherently different personalities. They can be the same person, right? Uh, but they're all fears, fears that kind of overlap each other. And that Venn diagram somewhere in the middle, people fall there. Some people are more uh, innovators and idea creators, and some people are more managers and more visionary leaders. And so um, I think that I've met a couple really incredible entrepreneurs who are horrible leaders. I mean, let's go ahead and quote FTX right now. Uh, there you have a guy with a brilliant idea who created a billion-dollar company, who then created another billion-dollar company, who is in what it seems to be 
not a good person, not a good leader. Uh, driven by greed and, and other uh, motivators, he made decisions that weren't best for the company. So um, when you when you look at those type of people, they're they're not all the same. However, uh, you can sometimes have those days. And the loneliest job in the entire world, I think, is the entrepreneur. Uh, because you are the person who has to wake up every day and maybe not pretend like everything is okay, but you have to pretend like everything is going to be okay. Right? You know, like, oh, we're in a we're in a rut right now. Like I can identify that this is not going well. <laughs> uh, however, you have to say, but Given this, taking this path, this approach, this step, 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 we're going to land here, which will be where we want to go. Or, hey, we're going to pivot. This isn't what we expected. We lost this money. We made this decision. But we're going to regroup, reform, move forward. Or you have to be that person with the future um, plan and direction of success, even though in the moments you may find yourself in a really tight spot. What is your opinion on how important important it is to be a good leader versus just having a successful company because if you look at Elon Musk some people will say he's a great leader some will say he's he's a tyrant Uh, it's so funny I I sent him I sent him an email this morning so I I I got his email and I sent him an an email I can share I I read the email if you want Um, but I was I figured I figured, why not, you know what, why not shoot my shot with Elon Musk, you know? Uh, I don't think, and my wife this morning was like, you know, like, he's laying off a lot of people. You're targeting people who lay off people. Why don't you email Elon Musk? I'm like, I'll get his email. So I got his email through a a big data um, company. Uh, I use Zoom information. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to email this guy. And so I said, uh, Musk, can I call you Musk? I'm like, I watch you closely. I like your approach to Twitter and other ventures. Layoffs are brutal, especially in the public spotlight. But you have a business to run, and I believe that my organization can help. Um, like You're cutting people, some because maybe they're worthless to your business, to your, to your mission. Others, because they're overpaid. It's all the same to me. Uh, I own Telup, a Mexican-based outsourcing organization, and I believe we can support your drive, your support, your drive to cut on cost and, and excess but stay effective. And I'm like, I'm like, you're probably thinking, why Mexico? I'm like, I've already answered this question. Please see the link to my article. I'm like, I'm like I'll also quote Andrew Schultz. Um, everyone questions who built the Egyptian pyramids, but did you know there are pyramids in Mexico too? Uh, no one questions who built those, right? And I'm like, jokes aside, I like to offer you my company service um, and what we can do to help replace the people that once employed by you or they can do it better, do it for less and do it with less complaints. I'm like, I'm all over the place, but let's connect. There's my cell phone number. I'm like, stay frosty. Uh, <laughs> so I was like, well, you know what? I was in a joking, funny email to him. He opened it, by the way. Or it was his so, secretary. Uh, <laughs> someone, hey, they, they opened it, they clicked on the link. So they, uh, they embedded. So I'll take that as an engaging response. Um, I don't <laughs> think they'll respond. Nonetheless, I had 10 minutes to kill this morning. Um, but, you know, I think... In terms of, to answer your question, what's, what's most important uh, to be in terms of a, a leader for the people or one that's for success? And I answer back to you, yes, uh, both. Uh, it just depends on what you want to be. <laughs> so I am 
I've been a charismatic leader where it's for the people, by the people, and I want to have a company with amazing culture. And I want to have a company that people just love waking up for every day. And the easiest part of their day is working for me. Uh, and I've also been an iron fist where I will fire someone on the spot simply because they did not come to my meeting on time. And, you know, it, and I can be both people. It just depends on what business I'm in. Uh, and it just depends on what I want to achieve. Am I trying to create a company because I want to inspire change and innovation or do I want to create a company that I want to make me money, right? And I have two, three of those different companies. I have one where I'm like, let's be an innovative spotlight for the development and investment into Web3. Like we're going to be the first, right? And I've, I also have a company where I, I will cycle through people however I need to cycle through people to make sure that we keep my margins and the company is successful. Um, and I say that, you know, good leaders can be a little bit of both. Uh, we have to be, um, and the quote is escaping me. We have to be both the, we have to be both the, the rose and the thorn. And so the idea is, is if you are, and I've had CEOs who I've worked for as their chief operating officers who are, everyone should love me. I'm seeking everyone's approval and support. And I'm very laissez-faire. Uh, and I say the people who seek popularity seek failure. Uh, and so if you want to be popular, become a politician. But companies have to make money, period. Yeah, because I personally can't think of like one CEO that let's take the usual suspects, Elon Musk, uh, Steve Jobs, um, Bill Gates. I mean, they have a history of being pretty brutal and, t and tyrannical in the workforce. But then you look at the success of their companies, do you think they would have been as successful if they were Mr. Nice Guy or even to your point, being both? Like, I'm just curious, what do you think about that? And maybe you have some examples mm -hmm. of other <laughs> CEOs that yeah. were nice and, you know, were equally as successful as those usual suspects. Well, I think that what it comes down to is first is what do you define as success? Uh, is it having a company with st stable revenue, happy people, and a long, forward-looking future? Is it a company that you want to make worth a lot of money and sell? Is it a company that you want to just produce cash? And so I guess it comes down to that. Uh, or you know, me or it could be even changing the world, you know, going to Mars. Or changing um, Going exactly. Green. You want to be SpaceX. Exactly. Yeah. Like I'm not sure Musk is doing it for the money. I don't think he's doing it for the money either. Yeah. Uh, he, so he risk weight. He wait. He risk way too much to do it for money. He would quit already if it was about the money. Even though he's the richest man in the world. Exactly. But in his scenario, it's his mission. Maybe it's ego driven, but still, it seems like he has to be ruthless in order to succeed. Yeah. You know, I like to say all the time that I, I hide my, my fangs with a smile. Uh, and I've both made ruthless decisions that have stick with me that I would have made again. And I've also made kind decisions that I wish I would have been ruthless. Right. Um, you know, and I, and I, I think of a CEO of my uncle, for example, brilliant businessman, very successful. Um, he is someone I'd never do business with. He's just too ruthless. I, I, I know I've seen him do business and he's even offered to invest in my businesses. And I just do not want to be in a money relationship with that man because he, 
too ruthless. Um, the previous company I was working, uh, previous startup I, I started, the board really pressed me to go for a higher revenue approach and, and less about, you know, the impact that I was trying to make with healthcare, which was giving people access to uh, support regardless of where they were in the system, uh, whether they were someone with great healthcare benefits or no healthcare benefits. Uh, and, you know, ultimately it created a lot of friction in our board because I wanted to go one direction and people really wanted the money. And it just wasn't about the money for me, uh, which ultimately led to me wanting to leave and them wanting me to leave because they wanted to get XXX on the dollars so that they could cash out investors where I wanted to change the way people saw healthcare. And so I think it really comes down to the type of, type of business type of organization, but you have to find out what you want to achieve. If you, if you are in a business where you want to make a lot of money, you will have to find a way to be ruthless because kindness will only get you failure. I mean, you look at Mark, Jeff, Elon, all these folks, you know, they're these, what we call these entrepreneur superstars. Uh, they've all made some very ruthless decisions and they have a lot of knives and a lot of people's backs. And so it just depends on what you want to be and how well you want to sleep at night. Let's chat a little bit about your startup experience. You led customer service and human resource teams from early stage startups to industry leading tech giants. You know, what lessons learned can you share with founders, you know, looking back on how you achieved your success? I mean, geez, I, I think every founder is like a fingerprint. Um, you know, but if I had to share the one thing that I think is going to and has led and will continue to lead to my ability to succeed is finding out your work ethic. You have what I refer to as the Jeff Bezos approach and the Elon Musk approach. Jeff Bezos is the person who creates space in his life time for things that he wants to do, uh, sleeps eight hours a day and believes that and thus doing so creates an environment that he can be more creative and more successful and more driven. All right. I'm a Jeff Bezos. Uh, I, I like my space. I like my kids and, and I want to do things that aren't worked. And, and I haven't always been that way. I was once before the Elon Musk approach where it's 19 hours a day, seven days a week, never stop right uh and depending on where you find me and what part of the career i am i i jump back and forth and the line between those two um approaches gets very blurry because if i need to work non-stop i will work non-stop to achieve something it will uh, failure isn't an option right um but i do when when able is create the environment so you need to figure out which one you are because a lot of entrepreneurs burn out and I think a lot of it is because they think that they have to go, 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 go. And then they realize they can't find solutions because their brain's tired. You know, they don't have an effective health system because they aren't in the sun enough and they aren't wor working out enough. All those things keep your brain healthy and keep you moving forward. So you figure out what works for you. Sometimes it's the Elon Musk approach. Sometimes not. And if we, if we will take a slight detour into human resources. You've been responsible for building human resources teams from early stage startups. What words of wisdom can you share for early stage startups about 
the function of human resources? Yeah, my place in the world of law startups, besides the ones I've led, uh, are a leader of human resources. And those organizations who have a focus on the people that they're bringing on to reduce turnover, to have a cohesive, forward-moving culture, because uh, you're going to, you know, a lot like in the military, you're going to ask people to put forth a lot of effort, time, energy, blood, sweat, and tears. Um, and you're either A, going to burn through those people, or B, you're going to cultivate a culture that we're in this together, right? And we're going to do this together. Uh, or you're going to go through people like tires on a racetrack. And so um, you have to find what you want to do and you need to find a human resource leader and a partner, whether it's in-source or outsource, that can help you provide that. Uh, I'll use an example from Telehealth. We have a marketing firm out of Atlanta. I'm not going to mention that person. A uh, great client of ours. Uh, they have a team of 10 outward marketing people. We replace at least one of those people every month. Uh, because they, you know, they say you are going to call 200 people a day. And if you don't make that 200 people a day is warning, warning gone. And so they have a tell out a team who is willing to support that HR approach. So if you are an HR, uh, if you are a startup and you're looking at a team that's growing, you need to figure out, do you want to waste a lot of money going through a burnout of people and having a high turnover? Or do you want to invest in your people? You're going to spend money nonetheless. So if you invest your people and you make them feel like they're a part of something, you give them equity in the game, uh, you're going to have someone who's going to be fiercely loyal to you. If you don't do things like that, you're going to burn through people. Either way, you need a strong HR person to do so. Either so be that person or uh, find the person to become uh, one of your, your leaders on your team. So what do you say to founders that don't have the resources or the budget yet to start with an HR director or executive level? How should they go about building the culture with all the things they already have on their plate? I mean, I want to throw my consultant hat on here for a second and say, uh, give me a call. But you can also get a consultant. Um, you can outsource your HR through an organization like Bambi HR, who, where you'll have an HR manager who will help you put your policies together, help you with your, your manuals and things like that. What you need to do, uh, startups get sued so frequently. <laughs> so, uh, knock on wood, I've not been sued. I've managed to, I've been a part of organizations who've been sued, but it wasn't my doing. And, uh, the thing is, is you, you will need someone because you're going to pay for it nonetheless. If you can't afford it right now. They're later on going to end up having to pay a cost that you can't afford then either. So I would invest, I think that Bambi does like $99 a month for an HR person on the lowest plan. And it gives you the ability to chat with someone to ask questions. Uh, I definitely recommend it. Uh, and, you know, whether it's applying for things like SHRM, like Senior Human Resource Management, um, they're an organization that lets you use policies as templates and things like that. You need to have these things in um, place because today's world, people are not as loyal to the people they work for, the companies they work for, they used to be. And so it's easy for them to leave and file a lawsuit. And it doesn't have to be based in facts or evidence for them to cause you a headache. You still have to retain a lawyer. You still have to deal with it. And that in itself, that negative energy and money is you're going to pay for it anyways. So I'd say that it's something you can't afford not to do. Uh, unless you're in a small, you know, a couple person shop where, you know, you're all co-founders together and you're all sharing in the equity. Because uh, people who have equity on things, they're not going to sue the company that they have equity in because 
that goes against their value. Um, but I, I definitely would say it's something that they can't afford not to do. And it, it's going to gross trajectory, especially. And what about the soft skills and the cultural piece of having HR at an early stage or not having HR at an early stage? When is the best time to start thinking about building this or outsourcing it? Yeah, when you, when you see yourself growing, uh, you know, I think that organizations that you can't go wrong, blanket statement, can't go wrong having HR at any level. Uh, it's advised, right? However, uh, I would look at your organization and, and its size, you know, the eight to 10 person, you know, you're going to need someone who's going to come on and start, whether it's part-time advising, consulting, especially for small organizations, consulting is a good, uh, a good way to do it um, because you're going to want to start kind of inching the ship in the right direction. Having someone advise you, whether you meet them once a week, once every other week, uh, on policy or on approach, We're trying to, you're having a difficult conversation with someone, you need someone to advise you on how to approach it, right? Uh, those are things that you need because, once again, not all leaders have their soft skills. I can be the person who's like hammered fist, but I can also be a person who's like, you know, tell me, tell me how that makes you feel. Uh, why do you feel that way? I can be that person. Not everybody can be that person. So you need that approach. Um, and like I said, you can get two types of HR people. You can get the ones who like, I want to build a great culture and grow, which is expensive. You know, having a great culture, loving your people, showing them appreciation costs money, uh, but also so does burnout. You can have someone who just helps you cycle through and get to the direction you want to go. And startups, I will say this, you know, there are very few startups out there that um, their path to success isn't paved in former employees. It is what it is. You're going to burn through people. It, it, it happens. Even the best people will leave you sometimes. And what is your process for building culture from an early stage within companies? Do you sort of hand down the Ten Commandments and then evolve those with your employees? <laughs> I'm curious to know how you go about building your core values and your culture as a founder. Well, and also depending on the approach because if you're going for a ruthless mindset and you want people to do what they want and operate in fear and perform in fear, you have to, you have to show them that you're willing to chop people on the block. You know, show like, I'm like, hey, listen, you don't do this by Monday, you're fired. And then on Monday come, I send everybody a message and say, so-and-so and so-and-so isn't here anymore because of X, Y, and Z. Don't be that person. Next. Uh, if that's the way you want to go, that's the way I said that culture. On the other term, uh, in terms of the, the culture I care more about is the one that's less ruthless, is the ability to let people know you care. Um, one of my favorite approaches is being transparent. Uh, when things are, when you're hitting headwinds that you didn't expect, you're taking the time to speak to your leaders so that they understand what's going on. Uh, you're expressing to them what you're doing to move it forward. You're also, when you make mistakes, I'm the first person to admit a mistake to anybody on my team, regardless of what the culture is, because I want them to know I am human. Uh, I'm not above, uh, you know, people go, oh, Cody, CEO, person does everything, has all the answers. I'm the first person who throws out the door and we go on, we're on meetings and I say, here's what we're doing. Like when I started Octiva, I sat everyone in a conference room, the first eight employees and I said, great. So how are we going to do this? That's what do you mean? I'm like, how are we going to do this? And they're like, oh, I thought you hired us to 
um, to, to do this job. I'm like, no, I hired you to tell me how to do this job. Right. And so here's what can happen. We're going to build all these processes, protocols and procedures. And if it doesn't work, not me, it's us. And so you're not going to point the code. Well, we did this man, and we fell because we went your direction. No, we did our direction. We fell together. And I like to build that buy-in from the very beginning because if you're a bark orders leader, where this, 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 guess what? You know, one finger pointing is four fingers right back at you, right? And and that's the thing is the whole point of it is getting the buy-in and making them feel like they're a part of something and that you aren't above them, that you're standing right beside them. We have a, a saying in the military, never above you, never below you, always beside you. They need to feel like you're in this with them and that you're not just some person on ivory tower trying to cash them in so you can get millions. So it's really about leading and showing versus having it documented somewhere and have it on your website and have HR read it out all the time. Yeah, you don't, you don't, have, to read, <laughs> you don't have to read the commandments. <laughs> you need to have the commandments though. Uh, you know, hey, listen, I think more, um, you know, they say more is less, but I'm more of a, a vague policy approach person. I don't think you need a hundred page handbook. You need something that is just clearly stated uh, and can be interpreted uh, the way it needs to be interpreted. And so, you know, you put things in the policy, it's good to have them, but if you put them in paperwork and you don't follow them, you're also asking to get sued. If you have a policy that you break, you're giving them ways to, to get your own self in trouble because you have rules that you don't follow. Is there right? anything else you would like to add as we wrap up the conversation here today? Anything else that you would like to touch on that we didn't cover? Well, you know, I think that uh, at the end of the day, I'm just passionate about people going out there and doing at the risk of, I said this the other day, uh, people will never understand what it's like to be an entrepreneur. Uh, if you're not one, putting yourself on a stage in front of friends, colleagues, uh, people that you don't know, people you do know, at the risk of failure, uh, people are going to watch you fall. Um, I admire that. And I think that, um, you know, my information, you know, you can reach out to me directly at info at telehealth, T-E-L-E-H-E-L-P dot work. Uh, if, if I can be any help, you know, if, you know, follow me on LinkedIn. I love mentoring people and um, I understand that it can be expensive starting companies. And if telehealth can help you provide the people to get the job done, uh, you know, a third of all of our companies have less than 10 people in our startups. And I love startups. And so I think that the sooner you realize that you're not alone in this and that you can reach out to people for help because you may think that you're on this path by yourself and it may be a very unique path, but people have walked similar ones. And so, you know, it takes a community. So reach out to people and that's what I'm here to support. And I think that that's just what this podcast is all about is giving people an outlet to understanding that, hey, I'm not alone, someone else has faced this. And if I or my company can be of support to that, I'll do so in the best way possible. Thank you so much for sharing all your experiences with us. It was a pleasure having you on the show. And I would love to invite you back again because we didn't get to talk about all your customer success experience as well, which I think is sure interesting <laughs> for for founders too. So maybe we'll get you back on another episode yeah. in the near future. Of course. But thank you again, everyone, for 
tuning into today's episode of the Founder Pack. And thank you, Cody, so much for taking the time to chat with me today. Thank you for having me again. Awesome. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Founder Pack podcast with Brendan Ron, part of the ITSB Magazine Podcast Network. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share the channel and itsbmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey.